when I was in school and, uh, you know, we had a lot of classes of uh, how to put together a sermon, what, what should you say and, um, you know, exactly, we, you know, you have certain professors that tell you you must have three points, you have other professors that tell you you must have one point, you know, nobody remembers three, at least maybe they'll remember the one as they walk out. Um, but the truth is, what always stuck with me is, uh, I had one professor, and she taught us that most of the time, you as a pastor just got to get out of the way of the scripture, because it is the scripture that preaches to people. And often, what we pastors do is we get in the way of that, and uh, we, you know, become a speed bump to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. If we would just get out of the way of the scripture... Um, God could do some pretty amazing things. So I want to read to you tonight some scripture, and then I want to share with you real briefly between the two portions of scripture we're going to read. Because I really feel like there are a lot of us who are more familiar with Saturday than we are with Friday or Sunday. There are a lot of us who live a lot of our lives in Saturday We've gotten through Friday, we totally haven't grasped Sunday, and we're kind of stuck in Saturday. So what I would like to do is ask you to turn to Mark chapter 15. We're going to read Mark chapter 15, and Mark chapter 15 is Friday. Mark chapter 15 is Friday, so if you have your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, whatever you use. Turn with me to Mark chapter 15. I'm going to be reading, surprise, surprise, from the message. Mark chapter 15, verse 1. At dawn's first light, the high priests with the religious leaders and scholars arranged a conference with the entire Jewish council. After tying Jesus securely, they took him out and presented him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, if you say so. The high priest let loose a barrage of accusations. And Pilate asked again, aren't you going to answer anything? That's quite a list of accusations. And still he said nothing. Pilate was impressed, really impressed. And it was a custom at the feast to release a prisoner, anyone the people asked for. And there was one prisoner called Barabbas, locked up with the insurrectionists who had committed murder during the uprising against Rome. And as the crowd came up and began to present its petition for him to release a prisoner, Pilate anticipated them and said, do you want me to release the king of the Jews, to you. Pilate knew that by this time it was through sheer spite that the high priest had turned Jesus over to him. But But the high priest by then had worked up the crowd to ask for the release of Barabbas. Pilate came back, so what do I do with this man you call king of the Jews? And they yelled, nail him to a cross. And Pilate objected, but for what crime? But they yelled all the louder, nail him to a cross. So Pilate gave the crowd what it wanted. He set Barabbas free 
and turn Jesus over for whipping and crucifixion. The soldiers took Jesus into the palace called Praetorium and called together the entire brigade. They dressed him up in purple and put a crown plated from a thorn bush on his head and they began their mockery. Bravo, king of the Jews. They banged on his head with a club. They spit on him and knelt down in mock worship. And after they had their fun, they took off the purple cape and put his own clothes back on him. And then they marched out to nail him to the cross. There was a man walking by coming home from work, Simon of Serene the father of Alexander and Rufus, and they made him carry Jesus' cross. The soldiers brought Jesus to Golgotha, meaning Skull Hill. They offered him a mild painkiller, wine mixed with myrrh, but he wouldn't take it. And they nailed him to the cross. They divided up his clothes and threw dice to see who would get them. They nailed him up at nine o'clock in the morning. The charge against him, the king of the Jews, was printed on a poster. Along with him, they crucified two criminals, one to his right, the other to his left. People passing along the road jeered, shaking their heads in mock lament. You bragged that you could tear down the temple and then rebuild it in three days, so show us your stuff, save yourself. If you're really God's son, come down from that cross. The high priests, along with the religion scholars, were right there, mixing it up with the rest of them, having a great time poking fun at him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Messiah is he? King of Israel? Then let him climb down from that cross. We'll all become believers then. Even the men crucified alongside him joined in the mockery. At noon, the sky became extremely dark. The darkness lasted three hours. At three o'clock, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Verse 35. Some of the bystanders who heard him said, Listen, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran off and soaked a sponge in sour wine and put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. But Jesus, with a loud cry, gave his last breath. And at that moment, the temple curtain ripped right down the middle. And when the Roman captain, standing guard in front of him, saw that he had quit breathing, he said, This has to be the Son of God. Verse 40. There were women watching from a distance. Among them, Mary Magdalene, 
Mary, the mother of the younger James and Joseph and Salome. And when Jesus was in Galilee, these women followed and served him and had come up with him to Jerusalem. Late in the afternoon, since it was the day of preparation, that is Sabbath Eve, Joseph of Arimathea, a highly respected member of the Jewish council, came. He was one who lived expectantly on the lookout for the kingdom of God. And working up his courage, he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate questioned whether he could be dead that soon and called for the captain to verify that he was really dead. Assured by the captain, he gave Joseph the corpse. Having already purchased a linen shroud, Joseph took him down, wrapped him in the shroud, placed him in a tomb that had been cut into the rock, and rolled a large stone across the opening. Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of Joseph, watched the burial. Friday. Friday is painful to read. Friday is the sacrifice. Friday is what Jesus had been warning his followers all about, and they didn't understand. They weren't ready. Friday came, and his believers collapsed. C.S. Lewis has a quote about Saturday, and he says this, On the day after his death, Jesus is no hero, savior, or redeemer. He is dead and gone. Convicted as a sinner, a rebel, and blasphemer who has paid the price of tragic failure. He simply died, and his cause died with him quite falsified and finished. Saturday. Saturday finds his disciples rejecting him. Saturday finds his followers, we know of one, but I'm sure there were others who hung themselves, committed suicide. Saturday finds a group of believers who just a few hours ago were at the peak of their rabbi, now running in fear. We're about to read at the end of Mark, they're actually, brains are spinning and they're scattered. They themselves more concerned with their own lives than what really just happened. Because everything they believed now was wrong. It's gone. It's dead. Saturday. Friday, we get. Friday, we get. The sacrifice, we get. That we hold on to, that we grasp, that we feel, that we know, that we can see, we can experience, we can read. That chokes us up. 
Friday. But what so often happens to us followers is that we go into Saturday and never quite get to Sunday. Because Saturday hurts. Saturday is full of pain. Saturday is full of frustration. And you have people around you who tell you, if you just get around the right people, all of that will go away. If you just hear the right thing, all of that will go away. You have people tell you that believers who commit suicide were never believers in the first place. But what you're not recognizing or understanding or what we're failing so often to grasp about our brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes is that they are in Saturday. They're hurting. And it's not our obligation to judge and condemn and tell them to get more faith. It's not our obligation to be out there tugging and pulling at them and saying, if you just believed more, because the truth of the matter is, these men and women were with him in every one of those moments. These men and women were with him when that woman grabbed for a piece of his clothing to be healed. These men and women were with him when he rubbed the mud in the blind man's eyes. These men and women were with him when he fed thousands, 5,000 men, thousands more women and children, and had abundantly more. These men and women were with him, and Saturday still came. Saturday still came. What we have to do is recognize Saturday. We must recognize those moments in our brothers and sisters in Christ's lives. We must stop judging. We must reach out in love. Because Sunday carries with it an unbelievable promise. Mark chapter 16 When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they could embalm him. And very early on Sunday morning, as the sun rose, they went to the tomb. They worried out loud to each other, who will roll back that stone from the tomb for us? Could you imagine? Verse 4, they looked up and saw that it had been rolled back. It was a huge stone and walked right in. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed all in white. They were completely taken aback, astonished, and he said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, the one they nailed on the cross. He's been raised up. He's here no longer. You can see for yourselves that the place is empty. Now, on your way. This is the promise fulfilled. Sometimes when we're stuck in Saturday, sometimes when the pain will not go away, 
Sometimes when the fear is holding us back from making a mighty move that God has called us to make. Sometimes when we are desperate for a promise. The voice we hear is this. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, the one they nailed on the cross. See for yourselves the place is empty. Now, on your way. On your way. On your way. See for yourself. Listen, I know you know on Saturday about what just happened on Friday, but now Sunday is here. Now get on your way. Now claim the promise. Now understand it's fulfilled. Now claim what Christ has said and has accomplished. Understand that he has now conquered Saturday. He has now conquered Friday. The vision you thought was dead yesterday now is reborn and alive. The very movement you thought crushed now inspires a world, will change a calendar, will completely change the way the world is viewed. What you thought they had killed now must get on its way. This is the first time in Scripture, this is the first time since the death of Christ that you hear, go. And guess what? It happens over and over and over and over, even as Christ is ascended into heaven and the angel comes down and goes, uh, why are y'all still here? Go. Sometimes we don't hear the go. We get stuck in Saturday. We don't claim the promise. We see it, but we don't go and claim it. He said, verse 6, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, the one they nailed on the cross. He's been raised up. He's here no longer. You can see for yourself that the place is empty. Now on your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there exactly as he said. Verse 8, they got out as fast as they could beside themselves, their heads swimming, stunned. They say nothing. To anyone. Verse 9. After rising from the dead, Jesus appeared early on Sunday morning to Mary Magdalene, whom he had delivered from seven demons. She went to his former companions, now weeping and carrying on, and told them. When they heard her report that she had seen him alive and well, they what? They didn't believe her. You know why? They're still in Saturday. They're still in Saturday. Verse 12, later he appeared but in a different form to two of them out walking in the countryside. And they went back and told the rest, but they weren't what? They weren't believed either. You think we get thick-headed sometimes? These were the men and women who followed him who heard him, who he told he would do this for, right? 
And now here's two separate people who have come back and said, listen, I'm not just telling you a story. I saw it happen. I was there. I saw him. And did they believe him? No. Sometimes what happens when we're in Saturday is people can come to us, quote us scriptures, tell us the truth, show us things, tell us inspiring stories about what they've been through, and say, God met me in these places. But are we willing to accept that? No, because we're thick-headed and we're stuck in Saturday. So what has to happen? Verse 14. So later, as the 11 stubborn, blockheaded, were eating supper. Is that not in there? He appeared, yeah, that's the Brad version. He appeared and took them to task most severely, I love that, for their stubborn unbelief, refusing to believe those who had seen him raised up. And then he said what? Go. Go into the world. Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved. Whoever refuses to believe is damned. That is the truth. Verse 17, these are some of the signs that will accompany believers. They will throw out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will take snakes in their hands. They will drink poison and not be hurt. Greg's going to try that next week. They will lay hands on the sick. (laughs) He's like, okay. And make them well. Verse 19, then the master Jesus, after briefing them, was taken up to heaven, and he sat down beside God in the place of honor, and the disciples went everywhere preaching, the master working right with them, validating the message with indisputable evidence. I love this. Let me tell you what happened. The disciples, the other 11, are sitting there in Saturday. And somebody comes up to them and says, I saw Jesus. Let me tell you, you can get out of Saturday now. You can move on to Sunday because the promise is fulfilled. And they went, whatever. And then somebody else came through and said, listen, you can get out of Saturday now. You can move into Sunday. We saw Jesus. The promise is fulfilled. And they went, whatever. And then Jesus came in and said, you big dummies. How many people do I got to send to you? Do I really have to stand here right in front of you? Let me tell you something. When Scripture tells us that he took them to task most severely, what had Jesus just gone through? Right? So when he's going severe, I don't want to be in the room. Sometimes it takes... a severe shake for us to wake up. Sometimes it takes a good moment with God for us to hear the truth. Tanya's going to come up. She's going to sing one of my favorite songs. It's a song about the promise. And here's what I want you to do. I know that there are those of us who are in this room today who are struggling, who may be going through a difficult moment, who may be going through a hard time, who may listen to people tell them that you are blessed, there are good things in your life, God is with you, 
You may not be praying the right way. You may not be saying the right thing. You may not be having the right action, but the truth is this. The promise is fulfilled. And you are the one who's going to have to move from Saturday to Sunday. What Scripture doesn't tell us is that Jesus walked into that room and he said, you're all healed of your doubting. What happened was Jesus walked into that room and they all believed. Maybe after a severe tongue lashing, but they all believed. They all had to move on their own. We all know the story of doubting Thomas. Jesus doesn't walk into the room and go, Thomas, pow! You're not dumb anymore. Right? What's he do? He goes into the room and he says, Thomas, this is what happened to me. Believe. And Thomas moved forward in his faith and believed. In the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our Saturdays, no one can bring you where only God can bring you. You have got to believe. You've got to take that step. So what I ask you to do as we close is pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. Say, Father, I'm in Saturday. I'm trying to get to Sunday. Help me.